I swear these other podcasts are just a waste of time. I'm skipping through them. I'd rather listen and change my mind. Wes and Nick always help me through my daily grind. Your favorite guys, your favorite lines, change my mind. I swear these other podcasts are just a waste of time. I'm skipping through them. I'd rather listen and change my mind. Wes and Nick always help me through my daily grind. Your favorite guys, your favorite lines, change my mind. Yeah. Nick, with a great podcast comes great responsibility, but we are not that great of a podcast, Nick. Uh, We are the Change My Mind podcast, and I am, of course, Wesley Sykes, and through the other side of the ether is the penis to my Parker, Mr. Nicholas J. Esfrier, intern for hire. Okay, I I like the intern for hire. I will say that. I don't know about the penis thing. I don't know exactly where that came from, why I'm the penis here, but okay. You're you're all man. You're you're, you're the alpha, right? That's... uh, (sighs) <laughs> there we go. Yes. yes. Ah, man. Anyways, yes. Is, I, is, I, Tim, I, is Tim Allen here? Is that is that what, what I'm? Well, listening? I mean, I know you're a huge fan and everything, right? Well, that's the wrong Tim Allen character, though. I'm sorry. My apologize. No, I, um, I'm a big fan of Tim Taylor. Um, what was I going to say? But you, I, I'll tell you what, Wes. What we're talking about today, I wasn't like obviously I knew this was something we were going to do at some point, but I wasn't over the moon about this particular episode. But then after rewatching it. I have much different feelings about this movie we're discussing today. Well, I, I love your setup here, Nick, because that's what we like to call in the business as a big market tease. Because this week we are cracking open the MCU rewatch vault. We're moving right along here to review 2017's Spider-Man Homecoming. But before that, Nick, uh, this is a buildup off of our uh, one of our other previous intro questions of... Um, you know, how do you get dressed? What's the first thing you put on when you get dressed in the morning? Uh, the people are clamoring, Nick, what part of your body do you clean the least in the shower? You know, this might upset you. Uh, this is not a direct shot at you or anything like that, mm. but it's probably my calves. Mm-hmm, I would say. Mm-hmm. What? No, um, no, it's not offensive at all. Okay, good. All right, good. Yeah. But I also, I know back of the knees, you know, you behind your ears, those are areas that can get missed very easily. Got to get the undercarriage. Um, oh, of course, yeah. And armpits, and then feet, I mean, th- those are the big ones, of course. So those <laughs> never get missed. I would say probably, you know. And then just in the course of things, it's like it's probably my calves. Just you know, not something I necessarily look at a ton. Nobody else really does. So I, like I agree with you. I'm I'm like almost in a hundred percent agreement with you because I was thinking about this the other day in the shower, uh, as one might might do. Mm-hmm. It, it's like the kneecaps and the shins. Like I'll, mm-hmm. I'll get, I'll, I'll wash the thighs and I don't use like a loofah or a washcloth or anything. Just give me the Irish Springs directly into my hand, squirt it right in there. I'll lather mm-hmm. it up on the chest, get it foamed up on the chest there, and then mm-hmm. disperse it around the rest of my body. Mm-hmm. But I'll work it through, you know, down to the, up, up to the knees, mm-hmm. you know, the, the top, the top of the thighs. Yep. And then around to the ankles and then the feet in between the toes and all that stuff, but never really the shins, the shins kind of, yeah, I think I'm okay for some reason. I I will definitely get the shins just because like I'm going down to reach my feet and it's right out in front, but yeah, no. And I also, you know, never forget your rear end either, because I always think of, it's maybe weird, but I always think the undercarriage. I think that's all kind of encompassing, you know, this is true. But when it comes to that area specifically, I always think of Mr. Deeds and it's one of Adam Sandler's buddies. I forget 
his name, but like the guy who's always in his shit. The, the main character in Grandma's Boy, he's like in Mr. Deeds. He's seen like it's like really like yeah. so lathering it all <laughs> so in his ass. Yeah. I'll never forget that. So. Oh yeah, that's I do remember. I that. think yes. of him in the shower quite Please often. Just stop soaping your ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's where that's where we're at with this. Okay, well I think that's good. I think we're a very clean podcast. Uh, yeah, we're already the prettiest podcast. It's been well established. We don't even have to dig that back up. But I think we might be the cleanest podcast now after this, right? I mean, I would I, say so. Well, depends on what you do your definition of clean. How would you rate the on on a scale of one uh, or zero to a hundred? We'll use our finite scale here, very mathematic here. Uh, the the combined cleanliness of the host of the other podcasts in the DSG. Well, um, I know. That, so Joe, so how would I rank them? Yeah. Oh, yeah okay. Yeah. Um, well, score them. Doc Doc is a doctor, so he's always sterile. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's clear. Um, Keith Keith works with Shine and John Anderson, and we know what John Anderson's all about. So Keith's probably not all that clean. Um, I think for his sake, though, he, he would be. You know, oh, he, if he if he knew what was good for him. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one to tell. Davy's a teacher, so I'd imagine that he's got to be pretty clean. I would probably put- I, I, I disagree. Yeah, this is this is where I think about children and and uh, you know high oh. school students at this point. They're just you know uh, bastions of of viral loads, uh, if you will, <laughs> just carrying it out left and right. I got to be careful when I take my sips. That, here. That's an interesting term, by the way. Viral load. Uh, you know, that's that's scientific, quote unquote. Yeah, well, graphic maybe I don't know. I'll tell you this: I think that goo. Speaking of children, I would say goo is probably the dirtiest. Not necessarily his fault, um, but he's just he's got a baby at home. And then I would probably say, oh, oh, the baby, I got you. uh, Oh, (laughs) right. Well, then and then Mac, I've heard that his roommate's pretty dirty. So, like, I I, again by association. And then there's Rossi and Billy. I mean, we've seen how Billy takes care of that beard. So, I mean. No, see, I think I think Billy is very clean. I think he might be of meticulously course. clean. Of course, you're gonna come to your buddy's aid. I, I'm just saying, you know, yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah. When are you two gonna start a podcast? The, the Kanye, I, I don't know what Kanye we're was supposed to do the, a, a, a Facebook Live of the Kanye thing, but I just never organized oh, it. Because, uh, you know, I just yeah. I dropped the ball. You know, yeah, Lord knows you'd be the one that has to put that thing together. Of course. Yeah. Well, no one else. I would be dragging everybody yes. to the finish line. Although not Billy there in that degree. But nonetheless, uh, let's get get into what's trending now. Of course, Kanye West is always trending, but what's trending right now, Nick, is Hawkeye season one trailer uh, that was released today, huh? Yeah, and it looks like we're going to get that on uh, November 24th. And I'll tell you what, Wes, I thought after the first three shows that Hawkeye was at least going to be fine. I felt like that we had at least a decent baseline on these movies. I know some people were let down by some of them, myself included. I thought Loki was going to be the definitive best MCU show. And as much as it was the most important, it was not my absolute favorite. However, Mm -hmm. I still liked it a lot in the end. I think after seeing Hawkeye, you you know, for someone who only cares about what it means, I don't know how important it's going to be for you, how much you're going to like it. But in terms of just overall entertainment value, I think we're we're seeing from this trailer we're going to get a good mix of goofiness and action, and that's all I that's all I think I can really hope for in this. Yes, I am cautiously optimistic. I, I want it to be good. I'm not really expecting a whole lot of it. I think this was. Uh, upon the first release of the Disney Plus shows that we were getting, I think this might be the lowest ranked one, the least excited I was for for any Holy of those. Uh, but I think this looks kind of promising, you know, because like who really cares about Hawkeye? I don't really know a whole lot about Kate Bishop, um, although I do like the actress there who I am blanking on her name there. I'll at get the it. Moment. 
for you. Uh, but but I, I do like her from Pitch Perfect too, and 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 uh, those things of that ilk. But but nevertheless, it's going to be tying in on uh, the heartstrings a little bit as a golden retriever uh, involved with one eye. Uh, so you know it's really pulling on the heartstrings there. It's also right right around Christmas time, the holiday season, which is an easy way to get me to like something. Mm-hmm. Something I find myself doing around the holidays, just going back and rewatching. All of like the uh, Office, Parks and Rec, Thirty Rock, Christmas specials from all the different seasons and everything, just because I enjoy being in the holiday spirit. I want to, I want to, want it to be twenty four seven Christmas around the time. This will be a fun bridge to what would be, I would imagine, New Year's. Yeah, so, yeah. Episode, something like that, right? Sounds about right, and it's Haley Steinfeld who you were thinking of. Hey, thank you, Haley Steinfeld. Yes, absolutely. And with yeah, but I I think to, like if you're using Christmas to have the goofiness, I think there's going to be more to that. Like if you add that element, that'll be great. But in general, I just think this like coming into this, you like you said, we thought this would be of the first four, it would probably be the worst, and mm-hmm. that could still end up being the case. But with Hawk, you you also have to factor in you know Hawkeye's apartment, so it probably should be the worst. And as long as it's better than fine i mean as, as long as it's fine then i'm going to enjoy my time like that, that i'm just i'm hoping for fine i think we'll get at least fine so there's a chance that they could you know like end up with a decent grade i think at the end of all this based on well, the trailer I, at least yeah and i think you know the the connective tissue what is it what's it going to tie into what does it all mean right mm. i think you're going to see uh yelena uh, uh, yeah, oh, uh it's a great uh, call coming coming back in there right it's a great call they set up for um, that and so I, I don't know, you know, it looks like he's deaf at some point. It looks like Echo comes into play, who's another character, uh, you know, that, that could have some involvement and crossover to Daredevil, who was supposed to have uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's uh, Kingpin is supposed to be in this, is rumored to be in this. I think Anytime be, I hear that might, name, might I be think... confirmed. I'm sorry for cutting you off. Every time I hear that name, I think of Goo's impression of Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> the whole high pitched voice like Vincent D'Onofrio, whatever, like, whatever that's from. I, I think of that every time. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I can't. I don't think. I don't know if I'm, I'm in on that joke. I would like to be on it's one on day. His, it's on his show. He doesn't. I, I, I don't know. Anyways, you have to ask, him to, ask, ask him to do it on your show. I'll, I'll ask him. Yeah, I'll ask him sometime. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so I think uh, so. I think those are, are some interesting factors to it, you know, especially if, if it has some tie into the netflix uh daredevil series i think that could be um interesting how they how they kind of do those things yeah i think that integrating white widow is the thing i i I forgot about but makes perfect sense i'd absolutely love to see her on hawkeye in all this because she's she was the she stole the show in hawk in uh, in black widow as much as i still liked um as much as i still like natasha in it i thought yelena was the best character in that movie 100 percent well, we have uh, Dr. Joe Gilmore here, who is a three-time idle hand Stein hoisting champion. So talk about someone with good hands. Uh, you know that. He says Hawkeye is going to stink, but I'm interested. I got a little note for you here because, uh, I, I, you know, am I doing my internet sleuthing, my YouTube researching? Mm. Uh, there, the the storyline that where this is supposed to be derivative from, derived from, um, is a Hawkeye comic book, and it's supposed to be or a graphic novel, and it was supposed to be like one that was really good. Uh, so people were really talking up this Hawkeye. I think it was just called Hawkeye. Okay, you're gonna so have maybe to something to think about for TLDR. Well, I had a Hawkeye book that I had set aside that I would possibly do on the show by a writer who who Joe and I like quite a bit, Matt Rosenberg. But I would like to know which one it is. So you and I are gonna have to talk afterwards. Maybe uh, we'll, I'll send you a link. Yeah, yeah drop you a line. Yeah, that way Joe and I can kind of scope that thing out because obviously we did that for Shang Chi and that was huge. Um, 
speaking of which, I know we got to get to what if, but I do want to mention that we talked about why the last man on TLDR yes. last week. So that's TLDR 47. That show starts this week. If you're watching us on the stream, it's starting tonight. Um, it's all, it's an FX on Hulu show. So you'll be able to catch it on Hulu if you don't watch it live. But uh, if you want to know more about that series, you know, at, whether it's before you watch the first episode or after or whatever, make sure you go listen to TLDR. I really, really enjoyed that series written by Brian K. Vaughn, one of the best in the business um, over the last few decades. You, you hear us talk about Saga all the time. That's the guy who wrote Saga. So um, I'm, I have very high expectations for this series. I got a question for you here. If why is the last man, then why is his name not Z? Because uh, uh, his name's York. I don't know, but that's wow. a good point. I, I guess mm -hmm. it kind of kind of flows and then his name's York. So why the last man feels like they're starting to ask a question and then just kind of lingers off. It's, it's like Joe Biden giving a press conference, you know? It, it, I, it, I don't know if it was that. Thank you. Thank I you. I'm here all weekend. Tip your waitresses. I don't know if it was exactly that, but I think you're kind of along the right line of thinking. <laughs> um, speaking of nearly dead, uh, we have What If Season 1, Episode 5, Zombies, Nick, Zombies. Um, what did you thought? I, you know, okay. I, I was excited before this came out. I'm going to answer my question before you. <laughs> Sorry, um, but I was excited uh, about this when I first heard about What If. I was like, all right, cool. This seems like fun. And then I, I got less and less excited about it as it came up. Pleasantly surprised with this. Okay, good. Because I, I felt like I some of the guys in our chat were like, eh, like they didn't like it that much. Or maybe, maybe a little less apprehensive to say they didn't like it. I loved this one. I thought this was one of the better ones that we've gotten so far. It was Again, my second favorite one. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's between I, you, I, you didn't like the Avengers one, right? With, with, um, no, no, that was my favorite uh, okay. today. So the Avengers these, one today, this one here, and then very close with T'Challa. And I, I liked the Doctor Strange as well. We were very much in the same ballpark. And again, I, we talked about it last time with Strange. You definitely changed my mind and how I feel about that. I didn't love it at first, but in terms of what does it all mean, that is definitely the most important one in all of it. Um, and we'll talk about the, that more of course from when the season ends but zombies was right there for my favorite second favorite i'm not i i, I don't want recency bias to get in the way of it but i will rewatch it all before the show uh, before we do our full episode mm -hmm. i thought it kicked ass well i think it, it, it drew on a trope that we're going to be talking about in our main topic here which was the spider-man home pov video thing which i thought was very fun about how to survive a zombie apocalypse zombie land type of thing right so i thought that was kind of fun again a lot of cool deaths um so i i think this was you know campy i think what uh my other podcasting partner goo says on uh what if we talked about marvel's what if would you listen a marvel what if podcast was a uh, like you or i this is like fan fiction at its fullest i know it's derived from comics and stuff like that but you know the, the idea of comic all right what, what would happen here this all feels like great fan service Yes, that's, that's and that's exactly what it's supposed to be. It's supposed it's to fun. be yeah. different. And I was actually listening to an interview. I forget who it was recently, but they were talking about Marvel What If and how the title, like th things under the umbrella of Marvel What If have not done well in terms of sales and whatever in, in comics in the past. But when you go and take a story and then you just turn it into a What If and like a longer, uh, more fleshed out sort of thing, mm -hmm. and then you don't call it What If necessarily, like Marvel Zombies in the comics, like those are going to be more successful. And I, I think that right now it's a good little taste for us, but I, I think there are some of these stories that if you had gone and fleshed it out more, well, we probably would have enjoyed it. But yes, that, that's what you're talking about is largely what it's supposed to be. And it, 
in a show format, it's interesting. I have I have a lot of feelings about it. And actually, we're talking about like before the show, our scheduling and everything. Mm-hmm. This is supposed to be an eight episode season, if I'm not mistaken, right? Eight or nine. Okay, um, I can't well, recall. But yeah, I hope it's yeah, nine. We gotta add this in. Actually, that's a good. You're, you're yeah, right. Yeah. I hope it's nine because if it's not nine, that's gonna. If it's eight, I think then that episode would be the day we're supposed to do Venom, and then Dune's out around that time too. So things just get all. You know, October's jam packed, jam packed yep. month of October here. Um, what was not jam? Well, I, what will be jam packed? Part of my French here. Uh, the runtime of No Time to Die, Nick. What uh, the coming fuck? in with two hours and forty three minutes, uh, aka the longest James Bond film ever. And I'm not do- talking about in the bedroom, folks. You know what I mean? Well, it could end up being that as well. But well, well played. Um, although age is not on his side in this one, I don't, I don't get it, Wes. I, I don't understand why you feel. I am not the person on this show, or I mean, in the freaking DSG, to complain about the length of a movie. I mean, I love Lord of the Rings and those things, even the extended cuts. Why the fuck are you making a two-hour and forty-three James Bond movie? Like, I, I know it, it better be a great. I, I like. Listen, I love Anna Armas. I love uh, uh, Daniel Craig. I love Christoph Waltz. Like, it, it seems like they're playing kind of like a. He's going to be doing like a Hannibal Burris type thing, or Hannibal Burris, <laughs> Hannibal Lecter. Excuse me. He's not. Mm. He's not outing uh, <laughs> uh, Bill Cosby as a Pill Cosby though. That's not what he's doing. <laughs> okay. uh, but no, he's, he's doing a Hannibal Lecter type thing, uh, which which could be interesting. I don't know. It seems again to to use this word that I feel like I'm I'm really harping on here. Uh, derivative, but uh, we'll we'll see. I'm going to watch it. I don't know if I'm going to yeah. see it in theaters, but. Yeah, we'll figure out if we're going to – I know we've like toyed with the idea of doing an episode on that, but I forget where, where this was going to fall on our schedule and everything. But two hours and 43 minutes, man, I feel bad asking anybody to like sit through that necessarily. It, it just feels right. Like It feels like this falls in line with what people – what James Bond and the people who run that franchise think of itself. Like, like yes, like, of course we're going to do this big grandiose thing. And like it, the fact of the matter is like people don't really care about James Bond all that much anymore. No, no, I think I think he definitely still has an audience, but it's not like he used to. Be. I mean, that's what's happening with action movies now. Like you can't, it's it's hard to make a good action movie unless you're like these, unless you're Marvel right now or some serious legacy characters. And I know why yeah. still there, but it's not the same. You're right. Yeah, or you know, F nine. You know, the, it's it's the uh, Fast mm. franchise and it's uh, the Marvel franchise. If you want to make action movies, oh, or the Expendables. But- but by the way, Joe uh, in the chat says he's a sucker for James Bond, and apparently I'm gonna have to be the one that reads the Hawkeye book. Oh, him, okay. So. He's already calling dibs. Um, MTV VMAs. I, I I always like to bring this up when they come out, Nick, because it was something uh, much like James Bond in a way. Uh, was something that was once held near and dear to my heart. <laughs> uh, it was celebrating 40 years of MTV. Um, and it was just, it was just horrible. Nick, I, I know you didn't watch this or anything, but mm-hmm. you know, the wife and I put it on last night. We're like, oh, this will be fun to kind of, you know, uh, let's see, let's see what we got going on after, after, uh, you know, she comes back from the beach day, the Patriots lost. I'm like, all right, let's, let's see what we got here. A little change of pace. Mm. And it was all like the, the most obvious product placement that I've ever seen. It would be a commercial with an artist, uh, during the commercial break. And then they would come back and perform. Uh, during the you know show the award ceremony, and then right after that there would be an award uh, that they would win. Yeah, so it would be like Doja Cat uh, would be in a commercial for Pepsi, and then she would come out and perform her hit single, and then win Best New Artist for that song. You, you, you know what I mean? And it was wow. it all just seems like 
all very much paid to be there and or get you know it, it just like and i don't know if this was an something that always happened and i'm just getting older now hmm. or, or if this is just maybe like i don't know blatant blatant corporatism like capitalism at its at its worst i mean i can appreciate something where you're like trying to be fluid and cohesive and all like like kind of like synergy and all this but that sounds like it's way too forced it sounds like you're, you're paying the people because, again, they're celebrating like 40 years of MTV and it's like they're not even like going back like to like they did so like they didn't have any mega performances. They had like, you know, the boy bands come out and introduce an award or introduce a singer or something like that, you know, but like come back. Like I want to see Backstreet Boys do a crossover with NSYNC on the MTV Movie Awards. You know, I want to see Carson Daly and like. Kurt Loader and like Sway in the Morning and Matt Pinfield and like bring all these people back from MTV if, if you're celebrating your 40 years. Yeah, I was that's what I was going to ask you. Like, I would think, okay, you're going to kind of do a lot of uh, a lot of like um, like appealing to people's nostalgia for MTV and they didn't do that. No, no, it, again, this was, you know, it's not for me. That's just kind of what I come to grips with. I want it to be for me. I did not really, you know, know many of the performers. Uh, it should or, or be, really though, Wes. You're, you're right in that, like, middle ground. Like, you're, like, the both yeah. of us are right in that. I, I, look, I wasn't an MTV guy necessarily, but our age range, you should be trying to appeal to that, I would think, more than anybody in this. No, no Drake, no Kanye. Those are, like, the two biggest artists right now, wow. you know, do just dropped albums. You know, you would think you would want them, like, maybe in there to promote music I, I don't know no no mention of them no no nothing like that drake is surprising yeah, that he was not kelly yeah oh boy who just got in a fight with was it conor mcgregor apparently that was that was at the that was the thing yeah. oh no shit i didn't know that see you know you know more than you knew oh wow look at that Okay. Well, speaking of knowing more than we knew, uh, let's let's go over to your comic book minute. I'm just full of segues tonight. Yeah, you are on fire. I didn't want to say Ooh. it in any of them because I didn't want to take away from all, but they've been they've been killer so no, far. No, no. acknowledge uh, them. Oh, okay, I will in the future. But um, <laughs> but speaking of killer, actually, uh, from DC this week, we have the first issue of the Harley Quinn, the animated series, the Eat Kill. Sorry, Eat Bang Kill Tour issue one. That is a fucking mouthful, but I am yeah. actually absolutely going to be Surprise. reading this and talking about it on TLDR this week. Of course, really like the show. We did not do an episode for either season, right? Because it wasn't on HBO until right now, correct? Like, till I have not. No, no, yeah. but I, I guess I could give that a watch if we ever wanted to go back there. Yeah, when the when the third season comes out, um, we can discuss that. I know that that's still in the works. I'm not sure when exactly it's supposed to come out. Um, but we, I know with Goo, Billy and I did something for the second season, and then Goo did one of his like, we did like a modified six pack when those were still a thing for the you first. Remember Modoc, by the way. I, sorry to inter interject on, yeah. the, on the minute here. Remember Modoc? I, I, I got like memory hold in that show for a second there. We like zipped through that so fast that like I yeah. forgot that it was even there. That was a weird. That was a bin, That was a show that was all dropped on Hulu right away, and I that was such a fucking letdown. Um, also, this week I know I I fell off on the the ongoing Eternal series that Kieran Gillen was writing, and I do like his writing a lot. Just characters that I didn't care a whole ton about. This week there's a new Eternal series starting. And I think I'm going to have an easier time getting invested in this. And I believe Gill Gillen is writing this as well. Um, this is Eternals Thanos Rises issue okay. one. So you already got my attention. You're bringing Thanos in the mix. I think this is a where you tried to – you had this stuff earlier in the year with the Eternals. I think that's a good call. You try and get people reading more Eternal stuff, reintroduce these characters, or in a lot of cases introduce these characters to people. Now you're going to bring Thanos back in. 
I'm definitely interested in this. I will give it a shot. As for our main books this week, Joe's going to be doing a Vertigo book. Um, Why the Last Man is also a Vertigo book. Of course, I mm-hmm. talked about that last week. Joe has American Carnage, which is recommended to us by Axel Alonzo, who we had on a little while back. He is the chief creative officer of AWA Studios. We had him on to talk about that company as well as his time at Marvel and, um, and Vertigo. And then I am going to be doing Sean Lewis's the few, which is an image comics books. I mean, he pretty much exclusively does stuff there. We've had him on. He's now writing King Spawn um, for image comics as well. So a lot going on over there, but uh, we got to get to what we're talking well, about. Today. Sean, Sean Lewis's uh, comic book there, the few that that's on the Marines. I take it. Yes, of course. Absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There is a little military ish vibe in this. So uh, you, you laugh, but no, I, I didn't laugh. I was I was dead serious. And dead it serious. wasn't that good of a joke anyway. I, I did, however, just take my shoes and socks off because I want to get comfortable for this main oh. topic. Here. I want to want to be uh, able to breathe uh, and let my webbed toes uh, be able to stretch out a little bit here because oh. we are cracking open the MCU Rewatcher Vault for Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, hence the webbed toes. Uh, and the synopsis of said film as Peter Parker balances his life as an ordinary high school student in Queens with his superhero alter ego Spider-Man and finds himself on the trial, on the trail, rather, <laughs> of a new menace prowling the skies of New York City. You know, at some point, I think we need to find a way to have you switch back over to the cast and crew. Not because not like just not out of nowhere. Like we need to create like a punishment because cast and crew is always way tougher than the mm-hmm. synopsis. Um we, so we gotta figure that out at some point. This is significantly easier than the Shang-Chi one though. Well maybe um, the maybe the debates. Maybe the, the debates will, will be the result uh, of that. How's that. I like that a lot. We're gonna have to do a debate soon then. All right, directed mm-hmm. by John Watts, written by John Francis Daly, um John Watts and Jonathan Goldstein. Starring- jobs. Tom Holland as Peter Parker, Spider-Man, Michael Keaton as Adrian Toomes, the Vulture, Robert Downey Jr., who is, of course, Iron Man, Tony Stark, Marissa Tomei as the youngest Aunt May in the history of the universe, uh, John Favreau as Happy Hogan, Zendaya as Michelle, also known as MJ. We'll talk about that more later. Uh, mm-hmm. Jacob Batalone as Ned. Uh, which I found an interest. You know, West, you do um, a lot of the internet research stuff, and the, for the Easter egg, I found something very interesting that none of us have talked about before, and I didn't realize this until I was doing research for this episode. I think I think I saw it in there, and I was pleasantly surprised. I loved yeah, it. it's I loved it's, it. it's a good one. Um, let's see. Then we got Laura, Laura Harrier as Liz, Tony Revolori as Flash Thompson, um, Jennifer Conley as Karen, which is Peter's suit assistant. Yes, in the box office and critics' reception here, we, uh, we hauled in $888 million. Of course, that's $334 million domestic, uh, including $117 million on its opening weekend. That $880 million ranks 10th in the uh, MCU, behind Far From Home, actually. Uh, and ahead of Thor Ragnarok, which will be coming up in our... In our I, think, I think we're two away from that one. Uh, but it, it currently has a, a 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb. And a robust 92-87 split on Rotten Tomatoes with a 4.25 on the uh, uh, nubile Google reviews. Right, of course, which is out of five. Uh, So we got our score and tweet length review. Wes, would you like to lead the way? Yeah, I mean, this I'm, I'm coming right out of the gates hot here. Uh, this is my highest rated movie to date that we've seen. Uh, this this movie gets so many things right, particularly in regards to an accurate Peter Parker, Spider-Man. 
uh, its take on the origin story I, I particularly liked, as well as introducing a grounded villain whose motives are uh, relatable to the audience. It's packed with fun, has a lot of heart, while also capturing the awkward innocence of the high school experience. Could be a ninety-five out of a hundred. I think, and I think 95. that is that is that is yeah, it's the highest grade that you've given so far. You hadn't given even a ninety-four yet to this no. point, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I gave this a ninety-one out of 100. Mm -hmm. And I did not care much for this movie when I first saw it. Um, and this rewatch was probably the first time I've seen it since I watched it in theaters. Maybe the second time, but I'm pretty sure it's the first time. Um, and Holland was never the issue. Um, I, you know, I, I enjoyed his, his mm -hmm. performance the first time around. But now I have a much greater appreciation for how the Vulture was written for this movie. Yes, so, this is one of the rare instances where I'm given a higher score than you do here, Nick. Yeah, does not does not happen often. Um, and this ends up putting it as a tie for third or tie for second, right? On our grade, grade a system. tie for second. But I think our tiebreaker is the higher score of the individual scores here, right? Is absolutely is, is the tiebreaker here. So we have absolutely. At 93, we have Spider-Man Homecoming, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Captain America Civil War uh, with the tiebreakers going uh, in that order, right? So Spider-Man, Captain, or Guardians of the Galaxy, Captain America Civil War. Our number one right now, I released this on our uh, Twitter handle, at ChangeMyMindPod, uh, if you want to see this, actually. Uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, still holding number one by a, by a thread, by the hair of its chinny-chin-chin chin at 93 and a half. Yeah, I, I, I got to say, as much as I have the same grade for Captain America, Winter Soldier, and Guardians of the Galaxy, I am surprised that Guardians of the Galaxy is not our number one on this list. I do think like when we talk about... Um, are old, like the, the greatest movies in the MCU. I mean, it's still at the top, but it's going to slide down because of a couple other major um, ensemble movies. But I, I thought that would be tops, you know, going into the um, Endgame stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, it hasn't been for a while, though. I mean, The Winter Soldier's been been up there, uh, you know, above it, you know, for yeah, since, no. since the get-go, you know? Yeah, no, no, I know. I just, like, I haven't re really reflected on that or weighed in on it. I just thought like that. I it's was just hitting you now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because like mm -hmm. I, I gave it the same, both of them, ninety fours. But I think like if gun to my head, like and, and you know, was it James gun to my head, Sean gun to my dick? I think that I would probably go with Guardians ahead of Captain America: Winter Soldier. But like they're so close. There's another movie that I have on a similar playing field to them. But that's that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, you're splitting hairs here, uh, especially yeah, when we're talking about, about the great stuff here. But but yep. before we get into our categories, uh, Nick, is, is this the best Spider-Man we've gotten on the big screen? Yeah. So. All right, I think that as much as Tobey Maguire was um, looked looked very old, I really thought he did Peter Parker well. I thought Spider-Man looked cool, and the action was like so revolutionary, and everything. So that was all fine. But mm -hmm. I really liked actually Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. His Peter Parker fucking sucked. That was terrible. He, he was too cool. Yes, but as Spider-Man, he he worked. But. Nobody does the combination better than Tom Holland. And I'm not saying that, that Peter, Toby McGuire does Peter Parker better. I think Tom Holland does both best uh, just because he's so young in his like, Spider-Man career. But like, the, like, And he looks young too. Yeah. He actually looks like he could be in high school. That's, that's also very helpful in the course of all this. So yeah, I, I think that this is definitively the best Spider-Man we've gotten uh, uh, in live action so far. Yeah, and, and while he is like, you know, pretty ruggedly handsome – uh, you know, he still comes across as that nervous, again, that innocent, 
uh, childlike nerd. You know, he's like awkward around people and, and girls and stuff like that. You know, even though in reality he has no business uh, being, you know, shy or, or nervous around girls. Yeah, yeah, he's cut up. He's freaking Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, but also, if, if you want a little bit more insight and, and conversation and debate on the Spider-Man topic, because it's one that uh, I know is, is near and dear to my heart. I know to both of our hearts, but I can speak for myself here. Uh, but to go back to listen to our original versus sequel debate on the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man 1 and 2 here. That is episode 76, uh, going oh. back into the archives. So go so, do some digging uh, and hit, do your own rewatch vault, re-listen yeah. vault. How about that? That was a good one. That was a fun one. I think that might have been our first uh, original versus sequel debate, which, of it course, was, yeah. we'll be doing more of those down the line. But that one was um, – was definitely one of the better ones. But anyways, it is time to get to the awards, Wes. And, of course, we always start with the On Your Left Award for most rewatchable scene. What do you got for me? Yeah, uh, first and foremost, this is uh, Peter's car ride with Adrian Toomes. I feel like we're going to be coming back to this scene a lot throughout the course of this conversation here. Um, the, the big uh, turn is just after the, the turn where Peter realizes that, um, you know, Adrian Toomes, Michael Keaton is the vulture. But – you know, uh, Adrian hasn't really put together that Peter is Spider-Man yet. And it's in that car ride that he puts it together about the trip to DC and everything. And then of course saying, you know, he's, he keeps calling, uh, uh Liz, I don't know. What was it? Pumpkin pancake, something like that. Some, some, you know, cute kind of, uh, pet name sort of thing. Pumpkin. Yeah. He's like, I gotta have the old dad talk, takes out the gun. And then, then you get the, those great lines, which we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, but, but he plays a really convincing, uh, villain, mm -hmm. yeah, and we'll, and we'll get into this in so many different ways, but a very uh, convincing killer here for a guy who kind of seems to be over the top chewing the scenery, but it's still convincing. Yeah, you know, when, we're, when I was rewatching it, it's like the, the little bits and pieces like that he's put. He, he's obviously a very smart dude and very careful, um, and, and meticulous with what he does. That's why, like, he's had so much success over the past like what eight years as he's he's taken on this new mm -hmm. job. Uh, since Tony Stark took it away from him effectively, um, it, it's just like yeah. hearing each little thing. It's like okay, like he and, and then the voice too. Of course, he's hearing that, and that that's definitely jogging his memory. Yeah, that was. I don't know if that would get my vote here. I had to think about it for a second longer because there's a few other nominees, but that was definitely a great one. I mean, I go. I would go back and rewatch it again. This is my favorite movie. I I must have rewatched this a ton of times. And as soon as it came out, video on demand, bought it. You know, paid the twenty dollars on files and all that stuff. Hmm. And I I just always love that scene. I know this is traditionally something that goes to like you know more action sequences and, and something right. like that. But but as far as you know a big pivotal moment that really defines what, what I love about this movie. I think it's that scene uh, in, in and of itself, but what do you got for me here? Well, I, I think the, we, I know you have a couple more, but the plane fight scene for me was, I, was, <laughs> I mean, the whole, the idea of we're going to rob Iron Man's guy, basically like we're technically robbing Iron Man and for all intents and purposes, like, and they've got this crazy plane too, where it's like all the way it's like um, the, the reflective mirrors and everything like that. <laughs> And then the action, of course, in the course of all of it, too, is nuts. You know, you get to the – after the thing crashes and everything, it's kind of like whatever. Um, but but everything from the crashing to when um, the that Vulture and, and Spider-Man first, first landed on the plane, it was just like this shit is nuts and intense the entire time. And, of course, we don't know if you know, Vulture is going to survive this whole endeavor or not. So I, I, I thought that was really well done in the action. And that, I mean, there's a few other good action uh, scenes in this course but that was probably my favorite 
action sequence and all this. See, it, it wasn't. I, there, there's a, a couple other one. There's one other uh, fight scene that I like, action scene that I like that I feel like features Peter a little bit more. What I liked about the the uh, plane fight scene is that it features uh, Adrian and, and the Vulture really well, and yeah. his tech and everything like that. You know, from a from a Spider-Man perspective, he's up in the air. He's not really in his element where he can sling around and like attach to stuff and everything, right? So. But I think that's uh, pretty cool to see what Tombs can do, what, what Phineas Mason the Tinkerer can do, and all that kind of stuff. That's uh, like them at their peak. So I, and, I think that's pretty cool. And again, the idea of heist and hijacking a Tony Stark uh, filled tech, mm -hmm. you know, playing. I'm burping here, but I think yeah. that's really cool. The thing with me, with like I, after on this rewatch, Vulture grew on me so much more because like he was so different from the comics, the animated show. That at first I was just like, like when I first saw it, it kind of threw me for a loop. The first mm -hmm. time I ever watched this movie, but now it's like, okay, this is what he is, and, and obviously they change shit in the MCU all the time. I'm fine with that usually, but it just felt so weird for me initially. This time around, it's like. Oh yeah, like this, not like now I'm understanding the character even more. I, I kind of know his story already, and now I'm getting these details. So like having him kind of show off all his shits, like yeah, you know that stuff kind of kicks ass. I kind of like that a lot. But what do you have for the the Spider-Man action scene? Well, it's uh, it, for, first before that, I would say it's the uh, introduction of Peter Parker, right? Right in the beginning of the movie. I think it's mm. a great tone setter right after we find out that cold open with Adrian Toomes and what, you know, his backstory and his motive, it goes right into uh, Spider-Man, right? With the, with the POV, maybe, maybe the timing is it, I, I'm screwing up there, but I'm talking about the, the film by Peter Parker, the POV look back from civil war um, and, and, you know, his perspective with the handicam sort of thing. Again, what I was talking about, what I liked about uh, the, what if episode with the zombies? I think that's again, a fun, different perspective. And to look back on what was a great, you know, to this point, the greatest, set action piece in marvel history right with all those heroes together on one stage um i think that's pretty cool to see it through the eyes of a 15 year old who's experiencing it for the first time and there's more to that in our conversation too because there is something that on the rewatch that we both caught afterwards that like after we see this little video where he has peter has this montage that i like i was stunned when I saw this, but we'll get to that more later. What is your mm -hmm. last nominee for the On Your Left Award? Yeah, the last one is the, the Ferry Rescue, uh, and it comes up, and I think this has some problems. Maybe, maybe it comes up in un unanswerable questions a little bit, but um, you know, I think that's really cool. You get that iconic scene of him kind of pulling it together, which is a callback to Sam Raimi's Spider-Man's on the train scene with the subway car. So it's you know a nod to the past, but also kind of updating it to the future. And again, this movie kind of does this a lot with. Uh, the Washington D.C. trip, the um, uh, fight on the plane, uh, the golf course, or, or here—it's putting Peter in situations that are a fish out of water type of element, where he's not really, you know, in in a, a place where he can utilize his abilities to his full capacity. He's out in the middle of water in this case. He's not out in the golf course where, you know, he can't sling and he has to run now. So I think it's it's an interesting take on a coming of age story through the prism of a superhero or a comic book story. Yeah. I think that is, you know, it's funny too. When I'm watching, we're watching the, 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 just look breaking down the fight when he, when that gun starts firing off, I'm like, wait a minute, isn't this the thing that like splits the whole boat in half? How the fuck is it going to, Oh, I, I don't know yeah. how that does. Cause if it sprays off, like it, it almost has to spray off like directly vertically you, you know what i mean but it seems to spray off kind of randomly like not yes. in a line yeah well it's, just, it's the webs that fuck it all up if i'm not mistaken but either yeah, way but the it, webs would make it shoot sporadic like 
like you know it, it wouldn't be covering up uh, it wouldn't be missing a straight line do you know mm -hmm. what i mean yes yeah yeah you're right you're right you're right um either way i thought that was a good scene i think all of these are definitely rewatchable but my vote still goes to the one that i brought up um i think the, the plane fight scene was my favorite scene in all this uh, it's it's tombs. It's got to be tombs for me. We're gonna be split on this one here. Either way, it's tombs. Tombs is a winner. Yeah, yeah tombs. Uh, tombs big winner on this. Yeah. So then that brings us to uh, the America's Ass Award, West, which of course, what aids the best? And you got our four nominees for this one. Yeah. Uh, so let's start with Marissa Tomei. I mean, just <laughs> yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah. Just, she's, you know, I don't think we need to say anything else. No, no. I think you got it covered there. Two words, Marissa Tomei. Yeah, and, and I, I think we'll get the, the big winner out of the way here. Vol the Vulture Reveal, uh, who yes. used to, to be Liz's father. I think everybody caught by, by su surprise. I don't know what that says about us as a culture, uh, but it, it caught, I think, everybody by surprise here. I don't think nobody saw that coming. Yeah, I mean, I just think it, it was, I, yeah, I, it was very, very well done. Um, and yeah, I, I, I thought, I, even rewatching it, it's like, Yep, that's Vulture's daughter, and they uh, and I'm watching the whole way, and it's like they really never ever give us a tease to her, like that being the dad, other than he's not there like the one time we see the mom first. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Amazing. It's, uh, it's 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 good good stuff here. And then again, I think just an honorable mention. You know, you get you get the age accurate Spider Man. You get the uh, the take on the origin story. You know, shying away from how Peter gets his powers and the Uncle Ben death, something that we've seen. You know, too many times over and over. We don't need we don't need that again. Like we've spent right. how many times going uh, over Batman's death with the pearls and stuff like that in the opera house. So uh, I, I appreciated that. I thought that aged really well. But the, the, the vulture reveal all time. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely number one. And and honestly, when I first watched it after, like when I first again, I didn't feel like everybody else did after that first one. I was not in that camp where like everybody loved it. That was still something that was like. Oh, this kicked ass! Like this mm -hmm. was this was really good. Um, but anyways, that so we're we're in agreement on that one. Let's yeah. go to mm -hmm. the mirror match villain award for what aged the worst. Yeah, um, this is kind of something based off of what we talked about during our Gardens of the Galaxy Volume Two rewatch here, and I think that was uh, a point you brought up. But it was the introduction of Adam Warlock and that kind of tease, and and not having the payoff there. I I kind of think. It's similar in the uh, introduction of Aaron Davis and, and that reference to hmm. Miles Morales, where that was just like everyone's kind of been talking about it and waiting for something to happen. Far from home, it hasn't happened. You know, it doesn't seem like no like home uh, or no way home. It's going to happen. It just seems like this is going to be a loose end that's going to stay, um, you know, not tied off. You know. What with that kind of sucks with no way home. Like there's reason to think that it could still happen. Cause you're getting all these other people thrown in the mix for Maybe. sure. But again, it's so far but, now you're talking three movies away from the well, time that you teased it. And, and but, you had, uh, sorry, Donald Glover do it too. So it just made it seem like they, it would be more time sensitive. Like, I, I don't know. I never, priorities. well, I never thought that that was going to happen. And I did not know that you thought this was going to happen, that we were going to see him this early because Miles Morales. Why, why not though? You know, why, why even, why even have him in the movie? I know like, he well, was supposed to play Spider-Man. So that was, I, I kind of give him his flowers in that moment. But like, why, why even include it then? 
Well, okay, so there's two reasons. There's obviously the logistical standpoint of like Peter Parker in the MCU still has a lot left to do because Tom Holland is so young, right? So there's that. But then the other factor in all this is Miles Morales in the comics doesn't become Spider-Man until Peter Parker is much older. And oh, yeah, time, I hear you, man, but my point is like why why even put it in this 2017 movie if like all that stuff is what you're saying is true? You know, like why why do it then? That's what I'm saying it aged the worst. Okay. Like it, it just seems like, again, just something they just did just to throw in. And then like, I don't know, maybe we'll get back to it, but probably not. It, it won't be, it won't be with childish Gambino, you know, like that you're going to have to find a new prowler and all that stuff. Well, I mean, prowler was not like some spring chicken. I don't know how old, I don't know how old Donald Glover is, but, um, I don't know. What's his interest at that point? You, uh, you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like maybe he's just doesn't want to do anything with it. Prowler's a pretty cool character. I don't know why he wouldn't want to do that. But anyways, I, I don't know. Um, I, it does, it does, that's not, I was surprised when I saw you had this jotted down as one of yours. Um, for me, one of my – I have two nominees, but one of them is Flash Thompson. I think this is such a fucking like bastardization of the character. I mean I understand that bullies have changed from when you and I were kids. But at the mm-hmm. same time, when I was like, how in anybody's right mind is this Flash Thompson a bully? I'm sorry. What, because he's like – he says things that like are like kind of not funny at all. Like he's like a, an above average, or he's like an average rich kid. You know what I mean? Like he's not like he's not smarter than Peter Parker. He doesn't really seem to be more athletic. He's not necessarily more good looking. He's just Nothing. like an average rich son. That's that is it. And he's somehow a bully because of that. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't, I don't get it at all. It doesn't make sense to me whatsoever. Like you need to be either he needs either to be really smart. Or he needs to be like freaking jacked, like Joe Magnilla was um, mm-hmm. in in the Tobey Maguire one. But uh, so yeah, I I that was another thing that pissed me off so much. I still don't like it. That that is the like probably my biggest frustration, uh, most uh, greatest point of frustration from this movie. No, I, I agree with you, and I, and I became a big fan of Flash Thompson, Thompson, Agent Venom from the uh, Contest of Champions game, of and like, his whole backstory. So I started like looking into him and all that kind of stuff, and how like he loved him and then felt betrayed. So I wonder if we kind of start to see that arc here at some point with the unmasking of Peter Parker, Spider Man, and No Way Home late, later on down the future with him, and, and maybe what that holds from. But getting way ahead of our, our britches, I agree with you. Flash Thompson, kind of a dink. Oh my god, he's he's just not he's a ding and he's not a bully. Like that's that's yeah. my biggest like I don't care. Like that's you can be a dick Yeah, no, not none of none of it. And then the other thing, this is a minor one, but it's just like and this is semantics for sure on my part, but still the way they handled MJ, I have no problem with Zendaya doing it. I think she's I think very a different take on that character, um, but still enjoyable. The the biggest thing is like sh- her name is Michelle. Okay, like, well, so why not make it where her name is like she has like a preferred nickname as Michelle, but her actual name is Mary Jane, and then that's where the MJ comes from later on, where she wants to change her nickname. We've, I mean, Lord knows we've heard of people making up their own fucking nicknames, right? So yeah. I, I, I don't understand why you just completely dump Mary Jane, other than the fact like that it's such an old school name. Like you could totally write around. I didn't like the, that. The only thing I could think of, and I, and I agree with you. I thought that was kind of like a cheat. Uh, a cheap yeah. way of doing it, but like the the only thing I could possibly think of is that if she was MJ, then your whole storyline with like from the get go is Mary Jane, then your whole storyline with Liz and the but like, he had a crush. No, Liz is like there. Like, I know maybe. Mary. I know Mary Jane and Gwen Stacy are the popular ones, but Flash. I, I was in, in, in course of research and everything. I didn't know this because this is like really old shit. Mm-hmm. Liz has been around like 
Like she was oh, a love really? interest before them. Yeah, oh, I don't, I, I don't know how friend. serious it was, but like she was, and for Flash Thompson for that matter too. So I don't, I don't know where that came from. Um, like, mm. like why they like why they decided to do it. But to me, like it's such, it's a small thing, but it just it pissed me off. But not as much as Flash. No, I, I think I think we're in agreement there on that. Um, yeah, it's still the Aaron Davis, and that, that kind of bothers you. That feels out of place for me. So I think we're split. We're split there. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's going to happen once in a while. Um, we have the Quantum Realm Award for unanswerable questions. And I have two. Do you ha- you don't have any for this one, right? It's just these two? No, no. I, but I love your questions here, though, so I'm all Thank- for it. Okay, so these are, I mean, these are pretty close. Um, so we got, what are all the web shooter options Peter has in his suit? We find out it's like 570-something, right? I want to see him, though. That that would be like, give me like a one-shot tutorial of like him finally going through with Karen and just like doing, like learning all that stuff. Like, I, I want that. Like the uh, one-shot from, um, they did with, um, oh my God, what's his name from the, the, the fake Mandarin guy? Um, Trevor Kingsley? Slattery. Yes, Trevor Slatter. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one. And then the other one, I think I might be a little more interested in this. Uh, what are the other jobs, kind of like Adrian Toomes, that have been created in the MCU by the madness that ensued from the Avengers initially? Right. So this is this is kind of where the first uh, time that we get an inside look of what hap- what it's like to be an average person in the world of superheroes, right? So it's like kind of starting to see the fallout for it. Again, also why I really like this movie, because it kind of starts to raise those questions and, and brings them to the next level a little bit. Um, and, and and I think that's where you relate to to Tombs is that he's just a regular construction guy trying to get you know getting screwed over by the man, another billionaire who's you know causing the damage and then getting paid to clean it up afterwards, right? As, mm-hmm. as we see explained a little bit later. So you're kind of rooting for the guy, you know. It's yeah, it's, like this guy's get screwed. If that was me, like I'd be pissed too. He got totally fucked over. I thought they did like I, I'm a little disappointed in myself that I didn't appreciate this character more the first time around, but. Uh, very well written. Love, love, like, and I think I don't know which one gets my vote in this one. They're both mine. Well, I, I how, feel pretty. And, and just a, a question off of that question, I think, is like, how irresponsible is the oversight of, of Stark Industries, uh, more specifically Happy Hogan, where like all this stuff is just out on the streets and you don't know it? Like, I, yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah, it wasn't for Spider Man, right? And how, and yeah. also, actually, why did, uh, maybe this could be an unanswerable question. Why did Tony Stark not tell Spider Man that he told the FBI to look into this shit? Like, could have resolved like the whole like the fairy thing could have easily avoided that. Communication, bro. Communication. Mm. Uh, either way, I think those are pretty both both good questions. But I think in the end, it would be quicker to get the answer for uh, the web shooters. So I'm gonna go with that. Yes, I like that too. Yes. All right, so we have what does it all mean? Um, the top Easter eggs and ties to the MCU West. Where do you want to start? Yes, yeah, so you want to take the end credits? I'll start with the mid credits here. Sounds good. Uh, the, so the, you flash forward to uh, the near future where uh, Toombs is in prison after uh, getting arrested and, and, and breaking up his whole family, uh, moving to Portland there. Mm-hmm. And he meets a former associate uh, from the ferry, uh, Matt Gargan, uh, from, uh, uh, who has a scorpion tattoo on his face and who wants to know who Spider-Man's identity is. But Toombs does not give up his name because he saved his daughter and then himself. Like He really owes a debt of gratitude a couple times over to, to Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this raises my question, Nick. Is this the sixth villain that we don't see in No Way Home? Okay, I really would love, love, love to see Scorpion. That would be but- cool. I part of me thinks Wes that it would be like if okay it has if, to be Mysterio, right? 
Well, it could be Mysterio. That's actually a really fucking good point. Um, but I can usually see see it being uh, uh, Vulture too, because it's like they all know, like all these guys come in. It's like we heard that you know, we heard that you know, like you know that who who Spider Man is. Like we're gonna fucking kill you if you don't tell us who it is. Oh, it's, I see that so, a little against his will, hold him yeah. hostage. Okay, but then it's like and then he joins them either way. So or he could say like I, I already saved Peter once. Now I'm not, I'm not saving him again. So I would love to see. Uh, I would say I would prefer Scorpion of them all because I want to see what his suit looks like. But mm-hmm. then I would bet that it's either Vulture or Mysterio. But I think – oh, God, I got to say Vulture. Vulture is the sixth one. But is the Shocker still in the picture? Uh, I'm the Shocker. I shock things. Like, oh, uh, I shock there's things. no way he could be the fucking – the sixth one. Though. There's no way they're going to hold that back on. We could see him again yeah. though. We could see mm-hmm. him again for sure, and we could see Scorpion kind of like what they did. Was it Spider Man Two or like the, the Garfield ones where we saw the Rhino? You could easily see the Scorpion. Yeah, just in. Kind of pop in there or like a crossbones type thing in Civil War. Yeah, mini early boss. Yeah, I love that. That'd be cool. Just mm-hmm. like just to see what his suit looks like. I want it because I think it would kick ass. I, I'm I'm right there with you. Right there uh, with you. So then we have the end credit scene, which is also probably known as the biggest middle finger from Marvel to fans ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain America's PSA on the value and virtue of waiting. You know, patience. Of course, this is a, a standing troll job, Wes. But I got to say, like, they're the reason that we stick around waiting for end credit scenes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck, guys? Like, you're going to give us a middle finger, but you're like, I- it's... I specifically remember having to pee so bad. Oh. Like I'm at, I'm at the Mashpee Common Theaters, uh, and I'm standing up right next to the doorway to get out of there. I'm just waiting, waiting, and waiting, and I like have to go. Like it is painful, and then they play that, and I'm like, you have to be fucking kidding me! And I better <laughs> walk out of there and just like break. I think a couple of kids are next to me, and like I, I was just so pissed. That's but now I look back, I think it's funny. I think, I think it's a yeah, it's funny. It's funny now because you know I I've forgotten as we're watching. I'm like. What's the end credit scene for this? And it's like, oh shit, that's right. They did all these videos. Once you see the white screen, it's like, oh wow, this fucking mm-hmm, guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that was very well done. And, and we had one of the better Stan Lee cameos here too. So where he, he appears out of the window during uh, Peter's failed attempt at stopping a theft. Uh, and he's like, hey, that's his car there. But, but it's, that's not the funny part is when he calls over to the lady across in the other building. He's like, hey, Marjorie, how are you? How's your mother? Yeah. <laughs> just, that's, that's it. And just cuts yep. away. Perfect, perfect Stanley. I honestly like some of these. I don't. Th- I think most people feel that way too. Like they don't think of the Stanley cameo. Um, you know, when you're rewatching it necessarily, but going into it, it's like, how's he gonna? How's he gonna appear? What's he gonna do? We don't get anymore. Complete. Yeah, yeah. But they recorded a few out. I can't remember how I far. Think, out. Yeah, I, I think the the last. I mean, it wasn't in Black Widow. It wasn't in Shang Chi. So. I, mean, I, think, I think it's done. No, oh, maybe you're right. Fuck. Okay, that would make sense. That's too bad. Um, this next one, I did not. As we're get as we were getting ready uh, for the episode, of course, Wes and I jot notes down so that we can kind of see and um, you know sometimes have to read things off to you guys. Mm-hmm. And I saw, I did not see this note when you uh, before I watched this movie. I was blown away when I saw this character, and I I was watching watching this with Lauren, and I'm like, holy fuck. And I don't want to take away from from um, you know the note that you pointed out first. So go ahead and lay this one on the people. Uh, are you talking about the street vendor? Uh, yep. Oh yes, yeah, so, yeah. This was a big thing. So I I I knew I recognized him in Shang Chi, and I wasn't sure about it, like where it was then again because I've watched this movie so many times. Uh, but Clev, who's played by Zach Cherry, uh, who's a street vendor, he asked Spider Man to do a flip. He's like, Hey, you're the Spider Man guy. Do a flip. 
Yeah. You know, that, but he is also on the bus doing the live stream during the Shang-Chi bus fight there. Uh, and then later on in Shang-Chi, when they're referencing uh, his fight in the um, in the gulag there, uh, he's like, oh, you're the other guy who was in the other viral bus fight. Like someone's like, he's, you know, and, and again, referencing to the greater universe mm-hmm. that everyone knows who Spider-Man is. Everyone knows who uh, Shang-Chi is here. It was crazy, though. I mean, I saw this and yeah. it's like, wait a minute. That's the same fucking guy. And it's not like like in Shang-Chi, we see him and it's like as close as you're seeing Wes and me right now if you're watching us on the live stream. But in Spider-Man, he's like a good like it's a pretty far away shot from when we see this character, Clev. It's the voice though. Yeah, it's the voice that does it. Um and he's in and, and his hairstyle too, like really sticks mm-hmm. out. It's like, holy shit, that's the guy. I was blowing it. So, I to me, I was I was glad you saw it, but at the same time, I was kind of pissed because like, ah oh, fuck, I thought I was only gonna be the only one that saw this one. I'm pretty sure there was some like I think he's a stand-up comedian or something or like a YouTuber okay. um, or like yeah like a short video TikToker t- that type of thing Vine person but okay. uh, internet creator maybe that's the term I don't know but there it was some viral campaign for him to get into the MCU as like a regular character I think there was like some oh. uh, petition you know, org or something like that. Huh. It must have worked. It must have got got enough enough crowdsourcing there. It's nice to have those little characters though that kind of connect to the greater like just little tiny people that we see every once in a while. And actually, that kind of leads into one of the ones that I found was, which is very very strange one. Um, so Kenneth mm-hmm. Choi, who who played Peter's principal in this movie, was in another MCU movie as well, but he played a different character. He was in Captain America the first Avenger. And in mm-hmm. my research, as far as I could tell was, I didn't know if this would fall under the sleuth award or, or um, the, I felt like this is an Easter egg more so. I think this is an Easter egg. Yeah. It's, it, from what it, I saw. It did take some sleuthing. Yeah. It, it, so it's kind of, it's a little bit of a mix here, um, but basically he's playing the grandson of that character that we saw in Captain America, first Avenger, which I would blow the Howling Commandos. Yes. And the Howling Commandos. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, so I was, that was one that I was like, I saw him at first, and then I just kind of stumbled upon this in my research. I was like, wait a second, you shouldn't mean that. That's where I've seen this guy before. Yeah, I think that's a, a great little note. And the actor who plays him is actually one of the funnier characters in uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. He's he's one of uh, Leonardo oh, yeah. DiCaprio's yeah. little little henchmen yeah. there, side guys. Yep. Yeah. We've got another too. instance of this, uh, Nick, here. We have Mr. Roger Harrington, of course, played by Martin Starr. Uh, was originally a computer scientist at Culver University in The Incredible Hulk before later becoming a teacher at Midtown High, a science teacher, no less, and the and, uh, academic decathlon coach. And we did an, a rewatch vault episode on The Incredible Hulk, and if I remember mm-hmm. correctly, you did you were on top of this at that point too. Yeah, I mean, Martin Starr, I mean, he he's pretty easy to recognize there once you see him. You know, again, one of those, uh, you know, very distinct features, long hair, big Coke bottle glasses, that sort of thing, so... I stuck it like a sore thumb. Yeah. Now I have another nominee, and I think it's the winner. So if you don't mind, oh, I'd like to save it for last. Before you, yeah, I, but I know you like this one. <laughs> it's the big one. We teased it earlier, but I want you to you go sure first. Did. Uh, Phineas Mason, uh, the tankerer here, is supposed to be the father of Rick Mason, uh, who was the supply guy from Black Widow, uh, who plays uh, O.T. Uh, Fadjabenli there. Uh, at least that's how it was in the comics. Clearly, that is not the case here. As uh, Phineas Mason is played by a short, fat, redheaded, balding guy, and O.T. Fagabendley seems like a very handsome uh, a black man. 
You, I mean, you never know. I mean, right? Like, who knows? Like, I didn't think I think that. British um, too. Like, I- <laughs> that's a good point. That is, um, that is a fair point as well. But we didn't think that the vulture was Liz's dad either. So yes, again, culture, right? Yeah, that's crazy, uh, coming coming through there. Crazy shit has happened. Crazy shit has happened. Um, but anyways, let's without further ado, us we've made we've been teasing this for a little bit. Yeah, the big Eat find. Up. For us in this one, again, this could fall under the Internet Sleuth Award, but I, this is definitely more of an Easter egg and could be – we talk about stuff that could come later on. Who knows? Um, so Ned Leeds, that is Peter's guy in the chair, right? That's you know We, we talk about guy in the chair all the time. He kind of gave us that like title for that character, the guy sure in the chair, did. I feel like. And, um, of course, he's one of he's one of Peter's best friends. But if you look up Ned Leeds, you know, when you're doing Marvel, like trying to know if some characters are created for – the um, movies or the shows or if they were from the comics. Well, this character was in the comics and he worked at the Daily Bugle and he was married to Bretty Bant, who is the blonde actress. And if I remember correctly, in, the date in uh, Far From Home, right? In Far, yep, that was gonna, that's what I was going to say, in Far From Home. And um, that was also, that character was played by Elizabeth Banks in um, the Raimi Spider-Man, Betty Brant was as well. But anyways. Oh, um, oh like, she was the assistant to J. Jonah Jameson. Yep. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Now, now, with Ned, though, this is the big one. With Ned, he is one of the individuals that has taken on the title, Wes, of the Hobgoblin. What? Yes. yes. I was I, blown jaw away. dropped when I saw this. I was blown away. And you guys go look it up. And I was like, I, I could not pin down if he was the Hobgoblin in, like, if that was the, the same name for the, that character in the Spider-Man animated show. But I, it seems like there wasn't, like, a specific um, – no, uh, alias a title a title attributed to that. Um, I know Mark, Mark Hamill did voice that character, by the way. Um, oh. But I was blown away by this one. I would love to see Ned somehow, some way, turn into the Hobgoblin at some point. What if Ooh. when Doctor Strange puts his spell and Spider Man asks him to say, "Hey, forget the memory of everybody here," uh, he's like, "Wait, what about Ned? What about everybody else?" What and and. Ned and uh, some people that he may love, like Flash Thompson, perhaps, or lo- love him, get upset at the fact that uh, he wiped their memory without telling them, without their consent. And that's what makes him turn to the villain. There are a lot of ways you could do this, and that would be awesome. Interesting. That would be cool. I mean, what if it's just what if it's a simple James Franco kind of thing where he um, became like he started to hate Spider Man for you know reasons that he without knowing that it was Peter necessarily. Mm-hmm, like there's there's mm-hmm. there's a lot there. And honestly, Wes, Green Goblin, of course, was huge for us in the live action sense, and uh, and obviously comics and everything like that too. But when you talk about the animated show, which which those are the things that got you and me interested initially first. Pop Goblin felt like a much greater villain than yeah, anybody. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So absolutely. I would love that. Hey, you talk about the, the the sixth member of the Sinister Six. You want to make fucking Ned Hobgoblin? Oh fucking man, that would be that, that would be wild. That would be wild. I would like that. Sign me up for it. That is the winner, Nick. You your presumptions were correct. Thank you very much. Now <laughs> it is time for your your uh, number one section of the show, award of the show, the Shield Internet Sleuth Award for Internet Research on the Movie West. Take it away. Yeah, we'll keep this kind of short short and brief here. Uh, the writers were, quote, giddy when they first came up with that twist. Uh, of course, the, referring to the Vulture uh, plot twist reveal. Uh, because it's taking the obvious tension of meeting the father of the girl that you have a crush on, multi- multiplying it by a thousand when you also realize he's the guy that you've been trying to stop the whole time. And again, I think that's just uh, speaks to how excited and, and how impactful it was for the audience when 
the writers were that excited about it coming up. Like, oh, this is going to be great. Um, so I, I think when when you know that comes through in writing, Nick, you and I are both uh, two top notch writers. When you're uh, excited about uh, a certain topic or generally interested in a certain topic, that's generally going to come through yeah. uh, in your writing, whether you want to or not. Right? It's just going to come through uh, by osmosis, maybe. Thousand percent. It makes a huge difference. Uh, Marvel made a laundry list of components uh, from the previous two franchises to avoid, including uh, conscious decisions to stay away from referencing characters who appeared in previous Spider-Man films. Uh, aside from a few of a uh, few major ones, your uh, your MJ's, your your uh, uh, who who am I? Who else? Your Aunt May's, your right. uh, Flash Thompsons here, right. but they wanted to stay away from the Uncle Ben's, the overuse of the New York City skyscrapers, as I mentioned, uh, and the Daily Bugle as well. And the the note on the Daily Bugle, which I think is interesting, because we're going to get this uh, in, in No Way Home here, is uh, they toyed with including the Daily Bugle, but wanted to do it the right way, a way that feels contemporary. Yeah, and I respect that. And of course, we've we've seen you know since that we get Jay Jonas Jameson back. Um, I forget what his actual show is called, but I would like to see the. But it's Bugle. it's like an internet type, sh like Alex Jones type show. Yeah. I don't think it's like a newspaper that you can pick up extra extra read all about it type of thing. I don't think you're yeah. getting that, which I think is cool. So that's what they did, right? So this is again showing the foresight of you know the Marvel uh, team at play here, right? So like. 2015 when they're writing their script they're like hey we don't want to do this but but yet in i don't know 2018 2019 when they're doing far from home on a teaser you know stinger uh end credit scene they're like let's put this in here yeah and now's it, the time to pull the trigger so i think that's cool and and what's and i think so that is a show right it is called the daily bugle in that? I, that i don't know whatever it is though it's, it's like again just like the alex jones type show yeah i i would like i mean if that's i, I forget we'll obviously do that rewatch at some point but i would like to see the daily bugle as like a like an online publication only like that would be that would make more sense to me mm -hmm. but either way either way yeah i think that's that's a really good one and right now that that's probably going to get my vote for this war well, in this one, again, this kind of speaks to like staying away from the, the Uncle Ben stuff. Uh, they, it chose to focus on the high school aspect of the characters, drawing a lot of influence from John Hughes films. Of course, Ferris Bueller uh, is like almost like complete scenes, like shot for shot remake in there. Um, rather than making a quote drama and weight of the tragedy that leads to the origin of Spider-Man, of course, with Uncle Ben's death. Uh, they felt this would differentiate him from the other MCU superheroes as well. Uh, Daly said the film was about Parker, quote, finding his place in the MCU with the writing team wanting the film to focus on him coming to terms with his new abilities, not yet being good with them and carrying with him some real human fears and weaknesses. So, again, his you know, nervousness, awkwardness through high school is that uh, vehicle to, to explain his introduction to the MCU and stuff like that. So I think that's kind of you know, next level stuff. I think that's really. I think that one's probably my number two. I, th I still think the overuse of things from from previous um, yeah. or the use of things from previous movies gets my vote. But that one definitely came through um, and kind of you know again going along lines with all the writer stuff. I think that was that was you know again why this movie was such a success all around. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so then we have the Terrence Howard Award for casting. What ifs? Another one, Wesley Q. Thrive at. Yeah, so the, the Spider-Man, uh, we, we went over this during the uh, Captain America Civil War rewatch, which I might recommend as well, as well as uh, the Black Panther introductions there. But a couple names just to go over. Asa Butterfield, 
Uh, Timothy Chalamet, uh, Chandler Riggs, who's from, from The Walking no Dead. Way. Uh, Tony Revolori, actually. So, again, another instance where you have uh, one guy auditioning for a role and then bringing him back to be the villain with uh, Loki and Tom Hiddleston and Thor mm. and all that stuff, right? Uh, Charlie Rowe was another uh, uh, guy from, from Rocketman there. Uh, but Adrian Toomes, uh, the Vulture, uh, These are some interesting. interesting ones here. We have Michael Shannon, Woody Harrelson, and Gary Oldman. Yeah, and for those who can't picture Michael Shannon, he was General Zod in the mm -hmm. Henry Cavill Superman. And I don't think, mm, I don't know, man. I mean, Woody Harrelson. He could have he done a good job. W Shannon? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like Shannon. I think he's a good actor. I think Harrelson, uh, I mean, Gary Oldman's an outstanding actor. I mean, look, Keaton did a great job in all this, but I think just the the, the th other guys that you had up for this this role, I think just all around, like that you couldn't you couldn't have gone wrong necessarily here. But I don't know who would be your number one of those three. Wes, is it Shannon? It would probably be Shannon. Uh, Harrelson would be too too much like Woody Harrelson, right? Like you would get mm. lost, kind of like Michael Keaton was here. But I think Shannon can do like a steely, reserved kind of like very very convicted. Uh, type of individual, uh, just yeah. kind of like hell bent on carrying out his his like whatever he believes in. So I think yeah, that could yeah. be kind of an interesting aspect. Gary Oldman just morphs into whoever you want him to be. You won't even recognize it's Gary Oldman. So I think that could be interesting. Yes. But he's just you know plays the villain in every role. It feels like. But you've you know you've won me over though because Gary Oldman as much as like as much as Michael Keaton was Batman before and now he's not you know, he's playing a different role. Gary Oldman was all I know he's played like Sirius Black and of course was it mm -hmm. Dick Cheney at one point or um and then uh who was who the the World War uh the the British uh, Prime Minister I can't remember his name Churchill I, he oh, plays all yeah, these yeah. of course transforms into all these characters but he was Commissioner James Gordon as well and a very good one at that um, again but I, but I didn't even recognize that it was him necessarily yeah but I, like so you could definitely give it to him because he's such a good actor but I like you won me over with your description of Shannon somebody say you even changed my mind um oh, and put Woody Harrelson as my three on this list Woody Harrelson has a bird nose like I think that could work. <laughs> outside of that i don't think it could work i uh, yeah i think it's you're better off leaving him as carnage because you get let like now woody can kind of be woody but it, it goes along with what carnage is mm -hmm. in all this too but that's a conversation for another day but i yes. michael shannon gets my vote for this as we go to the i am inevitable award for best quote we got a lot of nominees for this one wes yeah, uh, I, I think this one, we'll go with my favorite here. This is uh, I, my other co-host uh, would be, you know, also agree with me on this one here. It's uh, Adrian Toomes to Peter in the car scene. Again, I told you this would be coming back up in a lot of different ways. He says, I'll kill you and your whole family. I'll kill you dead. Yes. And yeah. like how he delivers that line, I'll kill you dead, as if that is supposed to make sense. And like how no one just burst out laughing at that. Like, are you serious? Like, yeah. I if someone had a gun to me and said that, like, I would still laugh, just maybe out of nerves. Like, what does that mean? You'll kill me dead. Like, yeah. yeah that, that, and like, it invites like a whole Larry, uh, um, Larry David curb your enthusiasm type of thing where like you're in the middle of a shootout and he's like, wait, wait, wait what does that mean? Kill you dead. And then like you, you just, everything stops and you just have like a breakdown of what that means. I think when you talk about the, like when we talk about best quote or yeah, for best quote is like, there's some things that you can reuse in the course of daily life and there are, or in stupid moments that maybe don't make sense, which is the case here with I'll kill you dead. Um, but then there are other ones that are just like, interesting quotes which are the, the nominees that i have here but i think definitively west we're in agreement on this one the, I, I specifically i'll kill you dead 
yeah. is is the the quote that that lasts from this one the most. Okay, so, you did. The, the, of course, you have Aunt May saying at the end of this movie, the what the fuck, which was kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, this is the whole shock of the moment. And then it's like, what's she going to say? This is a Marvel movie still as much as the Sony movie. And then it's like, oh, my gosh, she almost said it. Um, then there's MJ, her probably best line in all this. I'm not obsessed with him. I'm just super observant when she lists off all things that uh, Peter has quit. But I think my like number two, I guess I was saying this is from Mr. Harrington. Um, I couldn't bear the loss of another student on a school trip. <laughs> not again. Yeah, which is which is like funny when you think of like on a surface level. Then you're like, how is this guy still a teacher? Uh, maybe that's an unanswerable question. You yeah, know, like, a, what what's going on? Here? Holy like, shit, that's guy? a great call. That's a great call. Like, who is putting him in charge of of trips again uh, after what happens in DC? They're going after those events. They're like, you know what? Let's trust you with a group of students in Europe. You know, <laughs> like that sounds like a good idea to me. Uh, but but anyway, a couple other quotes here uh, is, is Ned when he's doing his guy in the chair thing at the end uh, at the prom. He's like, or, or homecoming rather. Uh, mm. and, and the teacher comes in. What are you doing? He's like, I'm looking at porn. Yeah. <laughs> and just like the way that he kind of yeah. says it, like the delivery yeah. is, is great. Yeah. yeah, very well done. Uh, also, the delivery here is very important. Captain America uh, or, or ha- Coach Hannibal Burris there. He's like, you know, during after he's playing the P uh, the PSA in the gym class, it goes, "Thank you, Captain. I'm pretty sure this guy is a war criminal now, but whatever." Yep. Uh, again, referencing that he is on the run for the events of uh, violating the Sokovia Accords from Captain America: Civil War, mm-hmm. but also pretty funny too. So it kind of has a twofold purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was definitely one of the funnier ones in all this. A very good slugging percentage out of Hannibal Burst because then he also has the moment of detention where he's like, hey, wait, where are you going? Stop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. He's funny. He's a funny guy. Yes, he is. And, you know, he he unearthed the, the Cosby stuff. He, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that's, that, right. that's what I said earlier. Yeah. Yes, yes. Hey, it's a callback from earlier. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm, we love callbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, And then we have one more, I think, from Iron Man, right? Oh yeah, where did I see? I didn't even see that. Yeah, if you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. I mean, that's a little bit more of a serious one. Probably sums up the the overall themes of this uh, movie here. Uh, much like Iron Man three, this is kind of taking a, a a page out of that book. Now, when we look at the winners and losers of the movie, uh, as we as we get into that for individual performances um, and individual characters, we start, of course, with the sad Bucky Barnes award for who lost the movie. I think this is where we may have the most debate. Wes, um, I have Liz. Because of course, Peter like toy- messing around with her, pulling her heartstrings yeah, and everything. I think, and just I, think that's it. I, I completely overlooked that. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Yeah, and then obviously the situation with her dad. I think the character Flash Thompson is also a big loser here because he fucking sucks in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had one nominee as well. Yeah, well, Happy Hogan uh, takes a lot of L's here because like. <laughs> You know, he's carrying around, you know, as a chauffeur for a 15 year old, and then he has to kind of check in with a 15 year old and all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, he gets all his shit stolen from him from Avengers Tower. Like, that's not good. A whole plane crashes on his watch. Like, he takes a lot of L's in this one, but it's definitely Liz. Uh, Her high school, you know, she almost dies. Uh, You know, oh, that too. Peter keeps messing with her. Like he is like, you know, uh, an F boy beyond belief saying like, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't hang out with you. I'm not emotionally available, but I want you right now, but I can't have you. But, and just like pulling this poor girl on a string. And, uh, and then, then of course, like the divorce and the father and then moving away in high school across the country, like, all that stuff. Portland sucks. Well, I was going to say, I don't know if I'd mind necessarily living in Oregon, but I think that if you go from living in like New York City and then you go live in Oregon, it's like, what the fuck is this shit? 
Yeah, I, no, yeah. So, no so thank you. Big L for her in this one. Um, then we got the J. Jonah Jameson Award for Best Performance by a side character. Unfortunately, he's not in this movie, so we can't yeah. nominate him. Um, my nominee, I don't know if my character is uh, the leading female actress in this, West. So I don't know if she can get it, but um, I have Aunt May, Marissa Tomei. Well, she can get it. Oh, oh, the award you're talking about. Oh, I see. Wow, well, well, you're doing that. Uh, a little bit, but yeah, no, I think she's. I think she is a side character in there. I think she's tink, uh, teetering on the borderline there, but I, I think she tinkering. qualifies with it. Tinkering, teetering, yeah. Well, I, I'm thinking because I have the tinker on the mind because I, I, my Ooh. first choice was Phineas Mason uh, because I just think he's hysterical with the stuff that he says, like very, uh, uh, you know, subtle comments. He's like. What you know, I'm a natural person or I'm a curious person by nature. Yes, <laughs> so what did I tell you about not picking up my phone. You know? Yes, like, there's the a whole thing with the gravity, the supposed gravity gun with that killed the first that, that wasn't actually the gravity gun that killed the first shocker. Oh, yeah, exactly. He's like, I don't know what that does. Yeah, yeah, the, you know what? The, the, the second shocker, I mean, like, look, he's not like playing this crazy big extravagant role, but kind of a cool character, like mixed in and all this. And I, I didn't, I thought he was all right, but I wouldn't put him up for this award just as an honorable mention. Amid um, my casting, what if research, uh, that was supposed to be uh, boxer Tyron Woodley, he was rumored to play that role of the shocker. I don't know of the of is. the second shocker. Uh, you might know Tyron Woodley uh, as losing to Jake Paul in a recent fight. Oh, that guy. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and then who? Uh, so I think the Tinker is a good one. Um, yeah, I, I think Aunt May takes us. The other honorable mentions. I think Mr. Harrington was great for coming back, and uh, Aaron Davis uh, also in, in as Donald Glover. I love the introduction in the moment of this because I thought of like again the ramifications, the implications of it. I thought it was pretty cool, um, but not having the payoff now five years down the mm -hmm. road six years down the road um yeah it's just a little disappointing i just wanted i i just wanted it to happen and then you know another side character actually in all this too is iron man and he was pretty yeah pretty yeah that's, that's a good point uh um, also cheating though yeah that might be cheating there but i i think aunt may i think that's a good one here how about how about the edith award the even dead i'm the hero award nick for who won the movie? And I think there's really two options here. Two options here. It's Tom Holland and Michael Keaton. Um, you know, the actors. I'm not even sure if it's the characters in, in yeah. the movie, right? It's and the I, actors in this. Yeah, and I think uh, my vote is going to go to Michael Keaton because as much as it's, you know, we've seen him in other stuff, like this to me is like he's back in like that pop comic book culture again, and now it's at its height even like way more than it was when he was – I mean it was nothing like, when he was Batman. And now look at where he is again. As much as he may not be watching any of these movies – it's good for him for business. So, oh, I, you, you had to get the jab in there, but I love you coming around full circle on Michael Keaton. This is very big for you, Nick. This is big. I like this. Thanks, Wes. Um, and and this is this is big considering that Michael Keaton almost wasn't even involved in this movie. He yeah, uh, you know, had to turn it down originally because of scheduling conflicts with the founder, uh, the the McDonald's movie. Uh, oh. But that got pushed back, and then this got pushed back, and some things opened up, and he was able to do it. So it almost. You know, timing didn't work out originally for this, but uh, the other option here is Tom Holland, uh, just because I, he was a relative unknown, I think, to this point, and has really burst on the scene. I think, again, I think, uh, you know, generally speaking, I think the consensus is that he is the best uh, pound for pound Spider-Man Peter Parker. Like, like you're saying, there might be a better Spider-Man, there might be a better Peter Parker out there, but he uh, combines the best of, best of both worlds. Yeah. So I, so it's, I mean, they're both, they both did a great job. I mean, it's, 
Uh, I mean, I don't know, Tom. I mean, but like when you look at Tom Holland, like his performance, like he's done stuff since. What was the movie we did a review of a while back that Netflix one with um Among Us? Yeah, something like that, oh, which yeah, which, yeah. Was, which was a solid movie, a little bit different, a little pretty gritty, but it had yeah. Um, but I still I still gotta give my vote. I'll go with Keaton. I'll go with the Keaton man. Okay, thank you. Um, all right, so Wes, that is uh, that is it, right for us? That's it. I think we survived. Yeah, let us know what we missed. Uh, maybe maybe you've done some internet research uh, that you'd like to share. Maybe you have some casting what ifs. Uh, mm. uh, maybe you like to let us know what was the most rewatchable scene or who who lost a movie or things of that nature. Hit us up on the Twitter sphere at Change My Mind Pod. Uh, or, you know, always hit us up on the YouTube and all that good stuff here. Uh, the hashtag Dorkshire Gooniverse on Facebook. Interact with us. That's what we want to know. We want to hear from the people here what you thought. Right, of course. And now it's time to Does take that a sound turn. desperate? I, I, felt de- I feel dirty. No, you, you, no, honest to God, no, you, you, we never fucking do that. So, (laughs) so, I mean, like it's, it's not at all. Um, as we turn into the discharge depot though, Wes, I am going to leave things off with, uh, I watched ready or not. Lauren has seen this movie before. And I remember seeing the preview. This is starring Samora weaving and, um, or is it weaver shit either way. And then Adam Brody, um, the, the lead actress. And this is also in nine perfect strangers, which I've been talking about. Um, which again continues to be a kick-ass show, but mm-hmm. this movie is—I uh, think it qual- be a thriller instead of horror, but it, it definitely gets pretty violent. Um, but okay. I really, really enjoyed. This is the movie where you have the a girl who marries into a family, and then the family is trying to everybody's trying to kill her as part of like a like it's it's part of like this rite of passage or whatever. You just play a game to get into the family. It's, it's really interesting. I'm surprised you, that's not ringing a bell like the trailer. Oh. No, no, it's not. I mean, horror's not really my bag, baby. You know, well, it's it's thriller though. I mean, like, well, either way, ready or not, I, I recommend that to anybody who likes a little bit thriller. E uh, also rewatched Venom recently, which we may be talking about again soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, well, you know, I'll save any thoughts for if we do a rewatch vault. Also, I wasn't able to be there for the Idle Hands thing, but I know Doc was there, Shime was there, Keith was there, and Doc was the co champ for the stein hoisting um event which i think he did mm-hmm. like seven minutes and 40 something seconds so congrats to joe i'm sorry i was not there i know you were upset about it but you won so or, our, our dude's just built different you know yes yeah exactly i i think he would he needs uh, as a chiropractor i wonder like you have to check underneath the shirt if he has like some sort of exoskeleton like and it's always sunny in philadelphia that allows him to hoist you know, like that low, it's a lot of stress in your lower back. Like yes. I'm sure you have to like angle I, yourself, you know? He's got, he's got a lean going that like, I guess like is very, he has a very effective method. I mean, there's a reason yeah. he's won it individually twice and now, and also been a co-champ once. Mm-hmm, um, but like mm-hmm. to just go back to what I was saying before about ready or not, Samora weaving, I was correct on that. Not Samora Oh, weaver. there we go. Good, so good. Uh, what have you been up to? Uh, well, football, you know, football season's back among us here. So football. that was fun. Uh, yeah. But I'm gonna be uh, uh, moving into a house on uh, this this week here on, on Friday. Yeah, it's so done. Closing, yeah, signing signing the deal on Friday, and then uh, we're gonna be popping a bottle of champagne and sleeping on the floor the first night there. Uh, Congratulations! So long Congratulations. arduous process, uh, but not as long and arduous of a process as as many other people as I've come to find out. So you feel like you're in the shit for the whole time that you're going through it. And it feels like it's never going to happen until it does. And it's like, still doesn't even feel real yet, but very exciting. Nonetheless, I'm excited to, to mow my own lawn here. It's I'm very happy for euphemism. you. That's, that's quite literal. I had, I had a, an idea. <laughs> that was the lead reaction on my part, but geez, um, I'll tell you what, I was definitely, um, 
I, I, I at least had an idea of how well, frustrated you knew. Yeah, well, good, yes. good sources, yes. you know, it was yes. off the record. It was embargoed until a certain time. Yeah. I'm very happy for you that it's all done. I know you've been waiting Thank to talk you. about this. So I'm, congratulations. Um, and I cannot yes. wait to see what this place looks like at some point too. Oh, yeah, very exciting. Yes. But you know what you have to do before uh, you come to my house? Cause it won't be ready. Uh, this it'll be closed before you get to my house here is uh, the uh, Cisco brewery in New Bedford. You and Lauren got to go. Oh, yep. Okay. Yeah. That is on. Uh, that I, I actually forgot to write it down. I remember seeing that picture, but that looks awesome. Yeah. Unbelievable. Got to go. All right. So with, uh, as we just part, did this part? No, did leave depart, depart from the discharge depot. Shared universe. Way too many D's from us. That's what she Double said. D's, um, triple any, D's. Well, oh, oh, you dirty like, dog. A couple different ways there. Um, speaking of D's, uh, dork there. What, what is this PlayStation event that they're doing? I don't, I, yeah, so I thought this they had some sort of uh, big PlayStation of where they're like talking about all the new games that came oh, out. Oh like yes, like, yes, yeah, they have them. They had a, the new Spider-Man game, the Wolverine right, right, game, right, yeah. and then what's the other one? Um, they're re like reproducing the Star Wars Thor? or other thing. Um, is, there, oh, is there a Thor one too? I God missed that of War? one. Not not like Thor, like uh, oh, oh the Earth's God, Mightiest Hero. Yes, no God of War, and that features the character Thor, but obviously mm -hmm. he's not just original to MCU. But I'm very excited for that Star Wars game. Darth Revan is a kick-ass character, um, and I would, I, yeah, that, that, I mean his action figure stuff for like sixty bucks a pop. So if we get him in a video game, that means cheaper versions are going to come out, which is all I need. Anyways, Mac and Goo, they are doing another summer movies uh, episode. It looks like oh, this has to be like volume three or four. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's I mean obviously there's quite a few things that have come out over this summer. As for the People for Communism podcast, uh, I have no fucking clue what they're doing. I know they've been doing wrestling recently. Uh, I think they're, they're going to be catching up on the quarantine camps that Australia is uh, putting up right now. And they're going to be giving an inside look of that. Oh, inside look. Well, Billy has been away, so I guess we know what mm -hmm. he's really been up to. Okay. Well, yeah, he's been yeah, building up those quarantine camps. Well, there you go, Bill. And I know for Psych, they're, they, uh, I've heard it both ways. The Pineapple Boys, they're actually back finally this week. I think it's been a two-week layoff, so they're finally doing season three, episode three of Psych. I think as far as our show is concerned, that's all they're doing in the future of season three. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know at this point now. Yeah, yeah. it's it's ridiculous. I actually doc tweeted out today. That is that is why I know because um, obviously they've been off for a little bit. But again, for TLDR this week, I am going to be talking about Sean Lewis's The Few from Image Comics and Joe is doing American Carnage from Vertigo Comics, which is, of course, a DC imprint that um, basically now that's DC Black Label. Vertigo is no longer around. And then for, uh, let's see, what if we talked about Marvel's What If? Would you listen? A Marvel What If podcast. What are you guys doing this week? Well, uh, we're going to be discussing uh, the latest episode of, Mar of Marvel's What If? Uh, and I believe that is going to be What If? Killmonger saved Tony Stark from his own missile. Ooh. I think, or, or at least involve that storyline. Um, I, yeah. I haven't seen the teaser yet. I saw a poster, mm -hmm. teaser poster for it. Um, but I believe it's going to be along those lines. Very excited for this one. I, for, I actually forgot about this one. You mentioned it recently in, in, mm -hmm. in our conversations, and I uh, and I'm very very much looking forward to this one. And there's it looks like there's one where we got Gamora wearing Thanos armor too. So I'm I'm looking forward. These are two ones that should really. Really oh, kick ass as much as yeah. we've had some good ones. Um, and then speaking of video games from earlier, make sure you follow Davey, Shime, and Doc. They're all doing a bunch of different shit all the time over mm -hmm. on Twitch. Uh, as for next week, Wes? Uh, we're we're going to be doing the same bad time, same bad place as always. All righty. TBD to go with that?
Um, did, did we do TBD or did we hammer on something? Uh, Venom. I th- Venom, yeah, we had. Right? Right. Yes, yeah. Well, we didn't tell the people that. So either yeah, way, yeah. big Western reveal. Uh, yes. We're doing Venom next week. How about that? To capitalize off of the Spider-Man Homecoming episode that we just wrapped up right now, but also to get ahead of uh, you know what is about to be released on October first. And as Russ already said, because I stepped on this sign-off, same bad time, same bad place. Oh, as always, of course, you're not stepping on anything. <laughs>